And welcome to Draw, Loser, Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me today are Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you doing? How are the nerves? I'm very nervous, Matt. It feels like it's like Christmas Eve, but Christmas isn't guaranteed yet. So it's a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, how are you? Uh, I'm the same. I mean, I'm buzzing, but I'm also so nervous. But uh, ask, ask me this time tomorrow. And also joining me, who I'm sure is not nervous at all, he's, he's got all his, his mortgage on the League One title being secured tomorrow, it's David Forrest. I've been feeling sick for about three days, Matt. I don't <laughs> I don't like it, it's terrible. I would say, Reese, I've just heard, notice that um, Santa Slay is currently changing direction, so, you know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start off with Saturday's game, we beat Airdrie 1-0. It, was, it turned into an Airdrie one, but... We won it through our first half goal from Brian Graham when we were well on top in the game. Uh, Reese, I'll come to you first. What were your thoughts on Saturday's game? Well, Erdre, I think it's the quickest we've started all season. We should have been ahead after about 30 seconds. Tiff put in that pinpoint cross right onto Graham's head. And unlucky for us, it flew over the bar. But we battered them for the first half hour. We were all over them. I mean, Rudden had that great chance and it fell to Graham as well. And he had his chance saved, like... It's one of the ones you're just having chance after chance after chance and you need to take one of them. Luckily enough, our, perse- our perseverance paid off. Gordon was unlucky not to score his header, but Graham's on hand to prod in with that instinctive finish. And I, as after that, we just fell out of the game. Erdre kind of came on it and we just looked like we were going to sit back and we were happy with the 1-0. Obviously, like, us as fans heard that the results were kind of going away, so we are happy, but like... An Erdrigo could have swung that, and then with their chance right at the end, I'm sure I speak on behalf of every Thistle fan, like, my heart was in my mouth when they hit that, the post right at the death. I was fucking shitting myself, man. Like, that could have changed the whole dynamic of the season. I don't know where we would have sat right now with the permutations and all that, but a massive, massive three points for us, giving us that wee bit of breathing space. It, it definitely was. You said it. You were sort of nervous towards the end, but I think we didn't. We shouldn't have been, and I think it was mainly down to a really good performance from Curry and the Erdry goal. I think it was the best goalkeeping performance that we've faced this season. I, I know we've faced a few good ones, but I thought that was right up there. David, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I thought like you could see from the first minute they were absolutely going for it and McCullough G'd them up and basically saying, like, let's get this done and get it over the line. We absolutely battered them the whole first half. I got a message from uh, Colin Telford about it and he was he, he was in agreement that Erdry probably didn't deserve anything from the game but I don't think any Fistle fans in the second half certainly the last 15-20 minutes would have been taking it for granted that we were getting the three points because that last 20 minutes probably took about five years off my life expectancy. It was horrific and like it was just really, really unnerving and I think it's just the case of so many years of just conceding late goals and like grasping defeat from the jaws of victory where I think every Fistle fan just expected us to concede a goal and 
we didn't and it was it, it gave me a I think it gave the fans a real lift and it gave the team a real lift as well to know that they kind of overcame this that was a very very tough game in the second half but we ground it out I, I I thought we 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 were definitely the better team by by a considerable distance um, in the first half, and on balance, Airdrie weren't much better. They were they were quite one dimensional to be honest um, throughout it, and yeah, it, it was a, it was a tough watch, but we 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 deserved the three points. You mentioned Airdrie were quite one dimensional, and I think Ian McCall did say in his post match interview, you know. They, they posed quite a lot of threat from throw-ins and corners. Jamie, I'll ask you for your general thoughts on the game, but I also want to ask you, how many Thistle sides of the last five to ten years do you think would have had the resilience to stand up to that? Because we have seen a lot of late collapses in recent years, and do you think maybe this season we have turned maybe a psychological corner, or maybe not even this season, maybe just in recent weeks? Yeah, I was going to say, I think the second half of this season, because if you think back to the first half, we had that 94th minute winner against Cove and the 88th minute equaliser against Falkirk. So we were still doing it in the first half of the season. But ever since the break, ever since we've come back from the break, we've been a lot better. We seem to have better results about us. Maybe the first game against Cove, we did concede quite a late goal. But that was a pretty poor game anyway. Both teams have been off for so long. But since we've gone on this run, we've looked so solid at the back. It was, what was it, like around 700 minutes we didn't concede a goal for? Uh, we just looked brilliant at the back, I think, compared to what we were in. I just don't see us conceding many goals with this side. Definitely not for League One anyway. But just the the game in general, I thought we ground it out very well. You know, we were all over them from the get-go. And on the first 45, our early pressure paid off and Graham put us ahead. And we could, easily could have been a few up. Rudden's had a chance. Um, I think Graham's had a chance with a header. We've had a few things happen in the first half. Cardinal maybe put a shot wide as well. But I thought we contained Airdrie's pressure pretty well in the second half. There was a few nervy spells, especially, as was mentioned earlier, like the, the heart attack moment when Airdrie hit the post in stoppage time. But it was a huge three points for us. And us beating them stopped it becoming a four-horse race, which it could have been if we dropped points. You know, Airdrie could have been right back in the mix for the title race. If we'd lost, I think they'd have gone one point behind us. But even if we'd drawn, you know, we could have fallen behind. Airdrie could have got some momentum. So I'm just glad that we saw it out and got a huge one. It was a good day all round on Saturday. Falkirk drew 2-2 with Cove Rangers, which I think is was the result that we all wanted. It meant we went four points clear in the league before we made the trip up to Cove, which was last night at the point of recording, Tuesday night when you were listening to this. So we drew 2-2 with Cove on Tuesday night, and it was a it was almost the, the opposite game of the Airdrie game. It was still it was still as nervy, but it wasn't as tense or as maybe as scrappy in the dying stages. It was an open end-to-end game. David, I'll start with you about your thoughts on last night's game. I think for me, it was... I think Gary Holton mentioned in his interview at the weekend about the Falkirk Cove game about being the peak entertainment value of League One. I would argue yesterday's was a fantastic game for a neutral to watch. Not fantastic if you're either a Thistle or a Cove fan, to be honest. I think it was it was incredibly tense, arguably even tenser than the Airtree. I when they, when they had the goal chopped off and then when um, Cove got the second goal, the second goal I felt was the goal that wins you the league. That's the one that gets replayed for years and years and years in your club history. So when that went in, I was like, we've, we've absolutely chucked it and we're not going to win it. And it would be so easy for them to drop their heads uh, after that happened because it was such a gut punch. 
and they they went straight back up and they made it to each and you could see what it meant to them. You seen McCall's hat flying everywhere, you seen everybody jumping up and down, absolute pandemonium. And you could see that they, they had they had the bit between their teeth and they weren't letting it go. And obviously we everyone would have loved a win against Cove. But I think we'd all acknowledge that Cove was going to be the big game, the cup final, the one that we were going to have the most difficulty with, arguably. And um to take a draw out of that is a, is a good result. Obviously, you'd have the three points, but I think most Thistle fans, if you'd asked them, would you take a draw? They'd have bit your hand off for it because they know it would it would keep some sort of distance. It kept up my confidence about the league in that we didn't drop. Like, I mean, previous Thistle teams, you mentioned previously about teams having the resilience to keep that. I think there was great resilience in them when they went 2-1 down to just immediately look at it go right this is a minor setback we will get back into this and yeah it was a great game for a neutral but god it was nerve shredding if you were a Fissel or a Cove fan that, that was going to be my next question it was going to be about coming back to the, resi- the resilience to get that equaliser just after we conceded so I'll ask a different question Reese. do you think without guys like Stephen Bell in the squad without Ricky Foster in the squad without Brian Graham in the squad. I know he was off the park at that point, but just having those sort of guys in and around the squad, the mentality, they've been there, they've done it before. Do you think that is key to the sort of the resilience that we've spoken about so far tonight? I, without doubt, players like that are just invaluable. I think than any football team, even out with football at any walk of life, you need like an older head next to you, like it was in like just in your ear, like help you through the game and that. And obviously when we went two one down, like us fans at home, we're all thinking, we've chucked it, man, we've chucked the league. But for us to go, and as David said, the resilience shown to go and score that wonder goal right after it, it was just, it was brilliant. And not only the the experience of the older players, I say it all the time, the main thing about football, in my opinion, is confidence. And the way we're playing at the minute, I believe that the players think they can beat anyone. They think that the league is theirs for the taking now. So when they go to one down, they're just like, right, 15 minutes to play, we can get another goal. And the fact that we managed to do that within 60 seconds was just outstanding. Yeah, the results of the players was fantastic. I didn't expect it. I mean, I even put in our group chat, oh, that's us chucked it now, we're not going to score. And I think just a second after I sent that, we scored. And the first half of the season, we'd have lost that game. I mean, we were, it just shows the character in the team and the desire to win the game. Like David mentioned earlier, the bench's reaction to the goal, the players after that clip that was released today, you can see the players, how, how much it meant to them when the goal went in. Even the subs' reaction who were warming up at the side, you can just see the real togetherness with this team. And it's that kind of momentum that pushes you forward and gets you that hunger to score those goals, which you might not otherwise. It was a brilliant reaction to a kind of freak goal from Cove, which none of us expected. It's such a weird goal, 30 yards out, kind of the shot curved. I don't know if it's caught in the wind, I don't even know, but it's just brilliant afterwards. Perfect reaction, Scott Tiffany. I mean, we're going to talk about more later, but once again, showing how invaluable he is to this team. We'll, we'll come straight on to Tiffany, Jamie. You mentioned there that you didn't think we'd have won that game or you think we'd have lost that game in the first half of the season. And I do agree with you. I think that was the theme of the conversation I was having with most Thistle fans last night. Obviously, one of the big changes since the first half of the season is the introduction to Scott Tiffany to the team. Ross Alexander's asked, as Tiffany... The, the Blair Lions type player we were all hoping for. I think that's maybe a bit harsh on Blair Lions because I know there's been some underlying circumstances to maybe why he's not hit the heights we were expecting. But do we want to just have a general chat about Scott Tiffany? I'll open it up to anyone that wants to come in on that. 
Uh, I, I think I did say in one of the podcasts earlier in the season that Tiffany actually is kind of like what we expected Blue Alliance to be. And that's not me criticising Blue Alliance, it's just more a testament to how good Tiffany's been. I mean, he's a class above this league. I'd argue he's the best winger in the entire league. I mean, what an impact he's made. I mean, he does, obviously he got both the goals last night. I've, I've not seen the first goal back yet. But, I mean, I know it's top that he's got both the goals and if, if that's right, that takes him to eight goals in 11 games and I think he's got four assists as well. I mean, that's an insane impact that he's made. Like, think about the amount of strikers we've had who haven't even touched that that goal tally and he's a winger and he's come in on loan. You know, unexpected signing and he's just it's been absolutely fantastic and he's been a revelation for us going forward and, and he's allowed other players to play better in the team. Like, I think since he's been in the team, you've seen other players come on a bit, like Richard Foster looks better going forward and Ryan Graham's getting more goals. Zach Rudden's getting more goals. Just we look better going forward since the addition of Scott Tiffany, and it's down to him. And I think the impact he has allows other players to play with more freedom. And uh, it's fantastic. He's such a good player. I really hope we get him next season, but I don't know if we're going to. Livingston might want to extend his contract now. Just echoing what Jamie said. Like I think the only thing that might stop Tiffany from getting any sort of player of the year award is the fact that he came in in January. Because I don't think there's any doubt that he's, he's probably the best player in this division ability wise like he shouldn't be playing at this level and I just I hope he pull off some sort of miracle and manage to get him back next season but I can't see it because he's been one of the best signings I can remember as a Fissel supporter like when I think about a guy that changed our season in terms of goals I always look to Scott McDonald and now Tiffany's I know it's a league below but Tiffany's surpassed his goal record and He's just, he's outstanding, mate. He's changed the whole way that we play, the whole way that we approach games, the way we go for teams. And he's given us that bit of pace. I've said for years, we've struggled to replace David Amu because we've never really signed a winger until this season. Tiffany's just, he's just brilliant, mate. And I hope we get to see him for many, many years to come because it'd be a, a real, it'll be a real sad ending to his Fissel career if he, if tomorrow's his last game at Fur Hill and he never gets to play in front of a full, obviously not a full stadium, but any sort of crowd at Furhill? David, I was going to ask you, Reese, touching it there, we mentioned Stuart Bannigan last week. He'll be in our discussion when we talk about Player of the Year on our awards episode. Will Scott Tiffany be in that discussion, despite the fact he only joined in the winter transfer window just there? I think absolutely. Um, to, kind of, to kind of go back to the, the Blair Lions comparison, I think that it, obviously it's, it sounds a bit harsh, but I don't think anyone could have ever possibly seen Blair Lions having the sort of impact that Tiffany has had. And that's not to say that Blair Lions would have been rubbish or anything. I think just the reasonable expectations from what you expect from a player coming in, you don't expect this sort of level. And the idea of thinking if, if he was with us for the full season, what would we be like at the moment? Would would we be already champions? What you know, it's kind of your mind starts racing with it. As we says, he's changed the entire way that we play. From listening to McCall and as well as that, from just he- hearing like sort of rumours that we were linked with Tiffany before it happened, a couple of months before and stuff like that, and you can clearly see that McCall sees him as the final piece of the puzzle. He was the one that that was sort of going to be the, the final thing that we needed, and I can absolutely see McCall going for it and moving the earth to make sure that he comes back in um, next season. And to be fair, from what James Kearney said a couple of weeks ago, Tiffany seems to be absolutely loving the club. Um, he's you know, playing for the badge every week, despite the fact he's been here, what, five, six weeks? Um, and he seems to have really taken in the McCall philosophy and got in behind the team and like you see the togetherness. So I see, I think there is actually a not bad chance of us actually getting him at the end of the season, um, just based on the fact that he's got the team that he's in, 
how well he's done, and the fact that the change that he's made to the positive contribution he's made to the team. I absolutely see him being a, um, a player of the year candidate. It, it's you know there is a couple in there. I know like um, him, Barrigan, Brownlee, Cardo, but definitely a Tiffany should definitely be in that conversation. I think it is interesting the discussion about if it's realistic for him to be a a transfer target for us next season on a permanent deal. I think it's entirely dependent if we go up. I don't think he'll want to spend another season in the third tier. But if a player's happy at a club and we can make it work, I I don't see why not because he's had he didn't have the best time of it at Livingston. So as you said there with James Kearney saying he was enjoying it, it might just be a case of he's enjoying it, he's settled, he wants to stay and it, it might work for us. I would say to Livingston, he's he's rubbish. Don't don't concern yourself with trying to extend his deal. It is also quite interesting. It's it has been talked about a wee bit, but I think see when this season ends, if we go up, it's looking back on that weird January transfer window into the leagues getting shut down and then into a sort of extended transfer window for the League One and Two clubs. If we'd signed Declan McDade, we wouldn't have got Scott Tiffany. And we did well, we did sign Declan McDade. If Dundee didn't then block Declan McDade returning to us when the league restarted, we would have never got Scott Tiffany and who knows where we'd be right now. It's <laughs> it's it's funny how things work out. I'm gonna ask you about a player that's been missing for the last couple of games, Stuart Bannigan. We've we've raved about him on the pods recently. He's been excellent. Jamie, I'll ask you this one. Just how much is if we miss Stuart Bannigan in terms of performances and, of course, the winning run came to an end last night? Do you think that was a, a deciding factor? I wouldn't say it's the only factor why we didn't win last night, but he's obviously a huge miss on the side. He's, again, arguably the player of the season. One of the best, if not the best, midfielder in this league. He's just fantastic. Passing, his tackling, his, his calmness. He helps the players around him. He's fantastic. He's a leader on the pitch as well. So hopefully he'll be back in for the Falkirk game tomorrow. That's I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he maybe could have made last night, but McCall wanted to save him for the Falkirk game. You know, he suits the big pitch of Far Hill with his you know long range passing, and not risk him a big tackle going in last like last night. There was a couple of dodgy tackles flying in, but I thought Doc was good last night as well. He's a kind of similar player to Bannigan in some ways, and he's again one of the best midfielders in this league. I highly rate Doc as well. But we probably have missed Bando. I think we missed him in the Airdrie game as well, but we managed to grind out a result and. We didn't lose last night, so as much as he's been a mess, I think we have managed to operate without him, but it's going to be fantastic to have him back in the squad whenever he is back, and hopefully that is tomorrow. I've got a wee bit of insight on Bannigan's injury. Well, it's like he picked up the injury in the Montrose game, and my best mate, Robbie, Robbie McGill, is just signed with Montrose, and it was him that came, he's a Fissel fan, he came off the bench against Fissel, and it was him that injured Bannigan. So I was slaughtering him last night, I was sitting saying, you've actually jeopardised Fissel's title challenge and all that. But the thing that's wrong with Bannigan, it's his other knee. It's not the knee that he had injuries with. It's, he's got like bone bruising on his knee. And apparently he was what he played last night. But Fissel sent him for a scan. And it was bad bone bruising, so I don't know. But I think he will be back probably. If it's only bone bruising and he wants to play, surely he can come back into the side. He can have my knee for the night if he wants. Don't know how much good it'll do him, but I'm up for giving a knee up. Mine are both fucked. So. <laughs> oh, mine are fucked as well. Don't know if anyone saw the, the wee clip I posted in my golf swing today. My cruciate ligament's got about six months left before it like needs replaced. But uh, that's another story. David, I want to ask you about Ross Doherty. I saw a few people criticising his performance last night on Twitter and Facebook, and I don't think it was anywhere near his best performance of the season. But I thought, given the fact that he was likely... 
he likely wouldn't have played if Bannigan was fit. I thought he did an, a really excellent job for the first hour. And then he did tire late on in the game, but I think McCall recognised that in his substitution to put James Penrice on and give Doherty a bit of protection for the last half hour was, was a good decision by McCall. What were your thoughts on Doherty last night? Yeah, I would agree. I think one of the sort of... We've talked about how Bannigan and Doherty play sort of very similar games. And I think one of the good things about it was is that the, the absence of Bannigan wasn't as harshly felt as it would be if we didn't have Doherty because he's able to kind of slot into that role. Um, he's not an exact facsimile of Bannigan, but he can certainly play that sort of role and he's got the quality to kind of make sure we're not falling behind our usual performance, if you know what I mean. I, I was a bit worried because there was a lot of meaty tackles going in, uh, including a very spicy one from Doherty in the first 10-15 uh, minutes, actually half tough where and I was more concerned about him getting a red card uh, than I was about, about his fitness or whatever, but no, I have to agree. I think this is probably going to, that was probably going to be our toughest game in the season, as I said. And we really needed either Barrigan or Doc in there. So I think if we couldn't have Barrigan putting in Doc for an hour, definitely was the right decision to make. And I think he did play very well still for the, for the time that he was on. I, I was, and I was going to ask a question, but it's probably just a daft question. So I'll, I'll just leave it. No, go for it. If they hadn't decided that goal, we'd have won, wouldn't we? I don't think COVID I came back if it was two 0 two nil. If we would have been two 0 I think I think we would have won. Yeah, I don't I don't think that we um I don't think we would have lost it two 0 I think we would have been because it was ten fifteen minutes in, and I think that at that point Cove the heads would have probably dropped a little bit for them, and then yeah I think I think we would have won. Am I right to say it was because it went out? That's what the commentators suggested. Yeah, I. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it did. I tried. I don't know, I've not seen it back, but it's the fact that they got the penalty. Like the next attack, they went up the park and got the penalty. And then that's so our heads dropped, you know what I mean? Could be yeah. turned up and it changes to one each. Yeah. I mean I can't I don't think we can argue with the penalty. I think it was a penalty. I mean Stephen Bell didn't even like protest after it, he just kinda of put his head in his hands a bit. But it's just infuriating if that you know, if we've been screwed over again with our thing that if the ball did stay in, but I don't know. So frustrating. Yeah, I think Ian McCall got booked at, at full time for protesting about something that none of us saw because our, our streams died, which was fantastic. But apparently there was another goalmouth scramble where the ball was pretty close to the line and Ian McCall got booked. So hopefully maybe we're due one a refereeing decision tomorrow night that goes our way. I want, I want a full England 1966. You know, it never crossed the line, but we are getting the goal anyway. I want, I want the, the, the full works tomorrow. Absolutely, Stephen Falkirk fans as we win the league with a really contentious yeah. goal. I swear we've had about five ghost goals, goal mouth scrambles, goal incidences in the last week. Sick it. While we're on refereeing decisions, one that maybe did go our way, maybe this wasn't, maybe this was the bit of luck. I know we had a, a wee discussion about this in the chat last night. Was Stephen Bell lucky to stay in the pitch? See, the thing is, it's like it's so hard because we're Thistle fans and we're biased about this. Like, if it'd been up the other end, I'd be like, "Oh, that should be a red." But it wasn't actually that bad a tackle. But then again, it is basically a last man tackle, so it's really hard. It's really hard to say. Like, if I was a Cove fan, I'd be like, "Oh, it should have been off. Should have been off. That could have changed the game." But as a Thistle fan, you know, you see things differently. So I don't know. I don't know. One of the things I was going to say about it is that the, the first like 20 25 minutes, so even for most of the game, the tackles were flying in and it was a really, really rough rough game for, for big periods. And I think maybe 
he's read the room and it's, it's that old thing of making a rod for your own back whereby you know if you send that off what, what about the other tackles that were arguably worse maybe not last man tackles but like some quite bad tackles and I think he's maybe just looked at it and go well that one was okay and that's probably why he didn't get red carded I think it was quite a, a agricultural game at times with the tackles so I think that maybe that's been in our favour whereby it's not looked as bad in comparison to the other stuff that didn't merit a red card either. I, Jamie, I think I agree with you, but if it was up the other end, I'd have definitely been calling for it. But I think it's one of those 50-50 ones where if it, if it goes against you, you can't really complain. But I think there, there were enough men nearby and his touch was a wee bit heavy and wide that I think a yellow was probably the right decision. But I think if it went against us, we couldn't have really complained. It's one of them, if you saw it with VAR, they'd have stuck with the on-field decision because it, was, it wasn't a glaring error. But um, I, we hope we get a wee bit of luck with refereeing decisions tomorrow night. We will move on to preview tomorrow night. Obviously, a win at home to Falkirk will see us promoted as the champions of League One. It's our second game in 48 hours. A friend of the show, John, Jay of here on Twitter, has asked, would we take a point tomorrow? and hope that results go away on Saturday or just bank on winning at Montrose on the last day? So I'll, I'll start with one word answers on that question. I'll come round you. Would you take a point tomorrow if offered it now, David? No. Jamie? No. Reese. It's three no's. <laughs> It's, it's four no's now. No, I'm, I'm not taking a point either. I've got my fridge stocked with booze. Um, so we'll have a read. too unlimited. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> see my reason. For, see my reason for that being as well. Not the fact that I don't think that Falkirk or Cove might drop points. It's the fact that winning the league not on your terms. Like just the players just sitting in the house and getting a notification you've won the league. It's a bit shit. It's a shit way to win the league. Especially at the moment. I mean, it was a bit different like when Leicester won the league because they were all in their house and all that, and they all had a big party and stuff like that. But you're not, they're not exactly going to be doing that on Saturday even if they were able to because it's a case of, you know, you are turning up at Senna's gaff to watch, like, Cove versus Montrose and then, like, Cove win and you're like, all right, we just need to go and win and shoot in first day then. <laughs> like, it's, it just, I don't think it works, uh, works well at that. But, um, yes, no, I agree. Like, yeah, you want to win it in your own terms. You don't want it to be... Uh, oh, you won the league because Falkirk fucked up. I mean, we did, but like, do you know what I mean? You want to want to say you won the league because you won your games. And I think the uh, fact yeah, that we're we unbeaten in the league it. since the restart, we've not been beaten in the league since the restart. Like, we we should be looking to make it an unbeaten run to the end of the season. Uh, you want the stream to like continue on if you're watching on the stream. Like, you want to be able to watch like the celebrations at the end. I, I assume the trophy will be at Bar Hill tomorrow because there's no home games afterwards. I'm sure they'll have it there. So, I mean, that you want to see that presentation that far hell. You don't want to wait for it to go down to the final day and then I, I don't know what they do. Some, like, trophy presentation when no one's there. I don't even know. I, I'm, assume, I'm assuming the trophy will be there tomorrow. But given, the, given the fact that if, if there is a helicopter involved, would you take his uh, winning the title on the last day? Been going I mean, with this helicopter narrative since we drew it Falkirk. I, w- I want a fucking helicopter, right? I, I just, I just, that's all I want for my football is a helicopter. I want Mate, the trophy would be in the back. The trophy would be packed in the back of a lorry, just going between fucking Cove and Peterhead <laughs> or Montrose, <laughs> like whatever. Like a transit van or something. Like, we rolled up with a 
It's not a helicopter. Taxi, Glasgow taxi. I know, the front seat, the front seat of Neil Doncaster's car, seat belted in. <laughs> I'm going to rewind a couple of minutes, David. You asked quite an interesting question there about um, whose house would uh, Thistle have the the party in if they won the league when they were not playing. Obviously, Leicester had Jamie Vardy's having a party. So, which Thistle player, and obviously COVID three times, do you think would open their doors for a, a title party for the squad? I'll come round you all, Stuart David. Who do you think? Oh, sorry. sorry. Jamie. No, that's uh, all right. Uh, uh, he stole my thunder. I think uh, it's got to be Stuart Bannigan, isn't it? It's absolutely, Stuart Bannigan is absolutely laying on the crisps and, and the, <laughs> the mad dog uh, for him. Absolutely. Reese. I don't know who would do it, but I'll tell you, should should be Richard Foster in his big small guy mansion. But I, I think he'd be the type of guy that wouldn't let people up, do you know what I mean? Amy <laughs> McDonald would be fuming. Oh, I've got some pals around just the entire like first team. Um, nah, ev- you'd do like an acapella of like Mary Hill's Wonderful or something. It'd be quality. Everyone gathered round with the trophy. Uh, Richard Foster's house, that's another show. I, I think Richard Foster would be great because we get like 15 minute updates from Amy McDonald on her Instagram story of uh, who's been who's speared in a bin or something like that. That's a um, good point. The Instagram I, story from Amy McDonald has is, is swayed my vote from Banzo to Foster on that one. Earlier this week, I was joined by ex-Partick Thistle striker Solomon Koulibaly, who talks us through his time at Partick Thistle. Thanks very much for agreeing to do this, Solomon. The first question I wanted to ask you was, Alan Archibald signed you for Partick Thistle in August 2018. What was it that attracted you to the club? What made you want to sign? The first thing that attracted me uh, to sign for Partick in this time, I mean, uh, 2018, was the manager. You know, the manager um, wanted to bring back the team where they belong, like in the Premiership, because they just dropped in the Championship. So... So once I went there, I talked to the manager, explained everything about about what he needs, what he wants from me to help the team to, to try to to bring them up in the Premiership. So that was very interesting and that was a good challenge for me. And then like big club like Patrick, you can't say no. So I was looking for the channel and that's why I signed for them. During your time at the club, you, you made limited appearances. When you first joined, you had some, some legal implications hanging over you. What was that like for you? It's quite a, an unusual circumstance for a player to find themselves in. How did that affect you? Yes, you're right. I have a limiting experience, like you said. and uh, But that was uh, on football pitch, you know. But in a legal point of view, he was... Gary Britton was doing great, you know. He was doing his job, he was doing his best. I say hello to him as well. So he was a the, the great man, you know. He's a good guy, he helped me a lot about these legal problems. 
but that wasn't the issue for me, you know, because I was totally focused on the pitch. And, uh, you know, I will try to help the team as soon as possible, you know what I mean? So I do my best. I think I do my best. It's true I didn't have the chance to play more game, but I think I do my best before I get injured. So I want to thank again the club, Gary Brayton, the president when she was there, and all the fans as well for their support. Because they support me a lot and I tried to give them back, but unfortunately I didn't because I didn't have a lot of time to play. Even though you had limited appearances, I think the fans warmed to you pretty quickly. I remember your debut at Alawa, you were very enthusiastic and the, the fans were really quick to take to you. What was your relationship like with the fans from your point of view? Yeah, the fans uh, loved me, you know, and I love the fans too because, like I said too many times in all my interviews, when I play football, I play for those fans, for those fantastic fans who, who bought the ticket, who, who come to watch us, who support us in any condition, wherever it rain or it's hot, you know. So I play for them and I play for the football club, you know what I mean? So that's who I am, that's the mentality I got. I don't play for myself, you know, I play for, for the fans, I play for the badge, for whatever team I I've been, you know, but Patrick was one of the team where I tried to do everything because it was the great team. Still now they're the big team, you know. Unfortunately, this happened last year. They dropped, but they are a good team. Believe me, trust me. Patrick are a good team. They only need like new organization, and you will say they're gonna go back straight up. And now I think they got it because they got the manager who bought me there before they go sack. So they're doing good. So I wish them all the best. And hope they're gonna go back quick in the Premiership, maybe two years or next year. I hope so. Because they go great people now around the club, great manager. He's the great manager. He had uh, he take Asha, where I was living before I killed Manop, to different level, you know. So I hope we're gonna take part in a different level with uh, my ex manager there. So they, they're doing a great job. I wish them all the best and and, 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 and and like I said before, I hope they're gonna make that happen by going back to the premiership. And I'm sorry I didn't have the chance a time to give all my best to kill, uh, to to Patrick, uh, you know, so I'm sorry for that and uh, and uh, I still support the team, I still pray for the team, I hope they're going to go back soon and uh, up. Obviously Alan Archibald was sacked quite early on in that season and then Gary Caldwell came in to replace him. What was your relationship with him like? It was sad, it was sad to, to see uh, Alan going like that, you know, he was a gentleman, he was a hard worker. You know, so uh, I feel sorry because I didn't have the chance to to give him back the faith he, he had on me, you know. So it was very sad. But now I'm really happy as well because he's a, he's a Patrick at the moment. He's doing his best with the new staff. And I hope they're going to bring back the team up. And that's all. About Gary Gadwell, I don't have good relationship with him on football. On just on football. Outside football, I don't have a problem with him, you know. He's a good man, he's a gentleman outside football. But in football, I, I didn't have a good connection with him. Maybe because he didn't like how I play, or maybe because he didn't fancy me. You know, sometimes like that. Sometimes you can be the good player, whatever you want. But the manager maybe doesn't like you or he doesn't fancy you. I don't know. It's only him knows why and what he was doing. You know, but outside football, you got a great relationship. You don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with guy. No, no chance. I don't have a problem with him. I still like him as a manager because I learned something from him. From him. I didn't learn something from me on football. I learned something from him outside football as a human being, you know. Because when we had the bad time at Patrick uh, in that time, he went with us in Spain. So we learned to be together 
and then we do some. Uh, I don't know if I got the homework with the military camp where I learned a lot. You know, so he do his best as well. Uh, he do his best by try to give that mentality to us. He do his best by try to give it that mentality, winning mentality, fighting spirit to the team that time. So you know, so I can't complain. You know. Because manager is the boss who decide everything. So, you know, I know my quality. I know I'm a hard worker too. And I think he knows. Only him know. Maybe, like I said before, he doesn't fancy me or he doesn't like me. I don't know. Only him knows. You know, but the relationship outside football is great. Even if you call me now, I'm going to answer. If, if you talk to me now, I'm going to answer. So I don't have a problem with him. Finally, I just want to ask you, uh, when you were at the club, who were your favourite teammates? And are you still in contact with anyone at the club? Uh... All my teammates were my friends, you know. But outside football, I tried to talk a lot to Sina because he was a young lad, you know. He just came from full reserve team, so I was giving him a lot of advice. Even when I've been to the national team, he sent me a good message. I answered him as well, and I wish him good luck. So I can't, I can't say he was a one who was close to me, you know what I mean? Because even now, I talk to him when he sent me a message, you know what I mean? But all my teammates were my friends. I didn't have a problem with any, any people. The problem, I cannot, I cannot call that problem. We, we can argue, you know, in the change room, but I don't have a problem with any any of my teammates. You know, everybody were, were good to me. I were good to them as well. So I can't say only Sina because he was the one who I was giving advice all the time because he got quality. So we need some, a bit focused. And I still keep in touch with Gary Brighton. Uh, so we speak often, yeah, that's true, by email, something like that. I'm still having a connection with the club, you know. So even though I forgot the name, uh, uh, I forgot his name. It was some gentleman there. I forgot his name. I do the interview with him. He wore glasses. Yeah, I forgot his name. He was a good gentleman. He's a good guy. He's a fantastic person. I say hello to him too. And... Uh, Every people were my friends, so I don't have a problem with them. I can't complain. Solomon, thanks very much for your time and all the best for the future. Yeah, thank you very much. Take care and hope the fans will enjoy my interview. Don't want to get too ahead of ourselves in this podcast. I know David is the eternal optimist. Uh, the rest of us are slightly more realistic. So the, t- the title is by no means in the bag. Promotion is still a long, long 90 minutes away. So I'm going to come around and ask you all now for your, your preferred starting 11 for tomorrow's big game. Jamie, I'll start with you. Uh, assuming who I who I mentioned is all fit to start, uh, I'd probably go with Keeps Snedden goals, there's absolutely no reason to drop him. As much as Kieran Wright, I think, is back in the squad. Snedden's not done anything to be dropped. He's played well, so I'll keep him in. Um, I've said for ages I want Foster to play it right back. I'm going to stick. I mean, it's not going to happen, but I'm going to stick with it. I want Foster to go right back, Penrice or left back, play it back to Bell and uh, Brownlee. And then in the middle, if he's fit, Bannigan. Really hope he is back. Uh, play Bannigan in the middle. I wouldn't usually say this, but I probably would play Doc alongside him. I think tomorrow's game maybe would suit him playing those two alongside each other. So I'd, 
I keep those two together. I put Tiff on the left, Cardwell on the right, and stick with Graham and Rodden up top. I'm with you. I think I, on everything apart from, I would probably just keep the same back four and have McKenna at right back and Forster at left back. I know we're all big James Penrice fans, but I think for now in a tighter run and don't fix what isn't broken. I want to ask you about Snedden. I totally agree he's been really good since he came in at the side. Do we think? Do we have any complaints about Snedden regarding Cove's second goal yesterday? I was just about to mention that. When I was watching the game, I was watching it with a couple of other people, and I was the only one at the time that said I thought Snedden could have done a bit better, but they were like, nah, that's a wonder goal. And having seen that again, I still think he could have done better. I don't know. Obviously, the ball does kind of, it moves away from him, due to it being a great strike, but there is part of me that thinks he should have done better. I don't know if that's me being critical, but... I think it just, it looks weird and it's probably caught him by surprise because not many players in League One shoot from 35 yards and even fewer get it on target with any sort of power and accuracy. So it's probably just caught him by surprise and it, it does move a bit and he takes that wee step to his left, which sort of does for him. But um, yeah, I, I would stick with Snedden and goes too. I think on the whole, he's been pretty solid since he came in for right. Where a goal which Sen conceded yesterday, the only open play goal we've conceded, uh, maybe even close to 800 minutes now, I don't know, but that goal, it was, it was like you've already said, it's such a weird goal. The way it swerves is so strange, and I don't know if that's actually where the player was aiming. I don't know if that's the part of the goal he was going for, but Sen maybe jumps a little bit too late, and like you said, Matt, he kind of like shuffled to the left a little bit just before it, and that probably ruined it for him, and he does kind of swipe at it too late. It just catches them by surprise as well. You can tell. I don't think he thought that was gonna anyone was gonna shoot from there. And I don't know. I don't know if the wind caught it or something. Cause it it, mo- it looked, looked like a cross. So it it uh, looked like he was trying nah, to cross. I don't nah. think so. I think he smacked. Nah, I don't know. Did anyone honestly think that it was going in <laughs> when he hit it? Imagine. I think that. But <laughs> I think he did hit it. Imagine being that. David, the voice got the goal of his life. <laughs> I was just about to say, imagine being that Cove centre half scoring a 30 yard and David Forrest is trying to take the draw. <laughs> you know what? Fuck them. Aye, it's a cross. He's wind assisted. Absolutely, absolute shite goal. One star out of five. Uh, I'm going to the opposite. <laughs> David, you've just said that's the type of goal they'd be playing for years, Vincent Company style. And you're saying Aye, it's I'm a cross? <laughs> exactly. I, they'll, they'll take, well, I mean, this is, this is the club that do the North Korean fucking match reports. So, absolutely, they will be replaying it for years and years and years. Has anyone checked how many yards they said it was from in the match report? 60 yards While Jamie checks the match report, Reese, do you want to give us your start 11 for the Falkirk game? We'll see the change that we made at half time, bring Cardo on for Murray. I'd, I'd start that from the beginning. I think Cardo is just, whenever Cardo's not playing, we don't look as if we're going to kick a ball. So, Cardo in for Murray. And Gordon's been good lately, but he can't drop Bannigan in a game like this. So if Banzo's fit, he comes back in, partner's dock. Keep the back four the same. Don't fix what's not broke. And I've mentioned that a few times. I know people aren't really keen on him there, but I really like McKenna right back. I mean, obviously I prefer him at centre-half, but he's, he's solid at right back. I know he doesn't go as forward as much as Williamson would, but got an assist for Tiffany's goal last night and he puts in a decent shift and he gives us a bit of more aerial threat. So same back four. Bannigan in for Gordon and Cardon for Murray. David? Um, I have to um, I agree. Snedden and goals, the same back four. Um, Tiffany and Cardo on the in the wings and uh, Bannigan and Dock in midfield with uh, Rodden and Graham up front. I think that's what you need to go with. It's been working for us and 
you need that final push. Cardo absolutely needs to start tomorrow. I'd like to think that he rested Cardo on, on, on the basis that hopefully they could pull something out against Cove, they get him on later, and he's not knackered for the game on Thursday. But he needs to start tomorrow, um, along with Tiffany. And, yeah, and obviously keep the same defence as it is. I don't want any more wayward crosses going in from 85 <laughs> yards. So, you know, we need to keep us defensively solid as we can. I think we've all picked the same team there, apart from Jamie's fullback. So I think we're all pretty much on the same page what we want to see. And I think we will probably see at least nine or ten out of the eleven that we want in the positions we want. So we, we do look like a settled side at the moment. Jamie, any developments on how far out that goal was struck from yesterday? I've checked in. It does seem very accurate. They do say about 30 yards. It probably was around 30 yards. It was oh, fair play to them. I'll give them that. Can I just said it was like an overhead kick from halfway line. Really. Can I just say as well, like, Scott Tiffany must be so, so fit. He's not even had like a minute's rest. Like Whenever he gets subbed off, it's like 90 plus three. Did you see him coming off against Erdry? He was literally crawling off and he didn't even really make the bench. And he just he like dove onto the bench, grabbing his hamstring. He must be knackered, mate. Hopefully he'll only need one more 90 minutes left in him. See, just touching on the Falkirk game, see what I was actually looking at last night? Because I looked back through all our recent results. Obviously, we lost in the first eight, Clyde. But all in all, this league, we've played 20 games and lost three. Why Why are we shitting ourselves? Why do we just know that first of all, going to blow us? No, I mean, we've lost three games out of 20. Falkirk haven't beat a full-time team in about two years. But we just know that we're going to chuck this league. Deep down a bit inside us, has already condemned herself to second place. Matt, you, you said last week about how I was, why would you put that on record? Um, to me, or my statements, I, I would like to posit the same question to Reese. Um, that's, um, I mean, it'll be great for when we do the season review of you. You're right, we absolutely, all of us inside are like, we're going to fucking chuck it. It's all primed for us well, maybe, to maybe absolutely I'm, chuck maybe it. Maybe I'm off my nut, but like, this is the one season, like, well, not the one season, the last few weeks. But I'm sitting here, I actually don't think we're going to shock it. Usually I'm always at our physical domestic. Don't it say that, Jamie. I don't think we will. I, don't think we, I, just, I just don't think we're going to do it. I think we actually have enough in us. This squad looks like it has enough in it. And this is the first squad for years that it looks like all the players are gelling in that first team and they actually care about everything. Just, the reactions after all the goals tell you enough. I feel a bit sick listening to all this optimism. I'm cutting I'm all g- this. <laughs> this is all cut. No, it's got, it's got it all going. I'm going to come round and ask you all again for one word answers. The percentage of chance you think we've got of winning the title now. Jamie? Um, I should remember what I said last time. I think I said 75. So, I'm going to say 90. I just... We, Jesus. We, we can win it tomorrow. We can win it tomorrow. I don't see how you can say there's not much. We're well, one win away from it. We could win it tomorrow. So I'm going to have to say 90. Race. Well, I've said 80 for the past two. And if you'd asked me after the Erdry game, I would have said 90. But after last night, I'm back at 80. So we're sticking with 80. Something, something last night has just made me feel like we're going to crumble somewhere. But I'm sticking with 80. I think we, we might still do it. David. You better back me up, David. 91. <laughs> so yes, man. David. My guy, let's go. I've went, I've went from 50 to 51. And I, I did say... Don't fucking say 52, Matt. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do feel a wee bit more confident than I did before the Airdrie and Cove games because I would have taken four points 
So I'll go up. To, I'll go up to sixty percent. I'm sixty percent sure. But uh, you're you're breaking it. You're gonna get seven by eight or something. But just say we're gonna win. You need to be confident. It's <laughs> a sixty percent chance. That, that is more than half. I'm more than half confident we're gonna win. And also, my See? fridge filler boost suggests that I'm more confident than sixty percent too. Otherwise, I'm gonna to have to give quite a lot of that away. Matt, Jamie, you, you do know that if a... any any dickhead in this podcast is going to get um, headlines about his rapid off optimism backfiring on him, it's going to be me anyway. So Matt's Matt's safe from that. Matt, you need to just put up a tweet. I've already put up. This does not slip, so that will come back and bite us. So you need to get that. Be fine. You're sixty percent. I bet fucking two and half days off work for this. It's terrifying, isn't it? It's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> no, like the thing Damn is, nice. like, even even though I said ninety percent, I'm still breaking it for tomorrow I, I, I'm so nervous for the game I'm not going in there like I can't wait to watch it I'm more nervous than excited but you, you could say to me like you know how you have those um, extreme polls that are like would you cut off your hand to see if this will win the Scottish Cup or something like that right all that nonsense right if somebody gave me that I said absolutely guaranteed cast iron that you'll do this they will win the Scottish Cup no boy I find this in hand chopped off and they'll still be sitting in Hamden and going we're going to fuck it we're going to fuck it with one head in hand you, you just never you, you could be 110% certain that you're going to win it and in the back of your mind you're still going to be like we're losing I, I want to see, see what I keep thinking genuinely like our team Partick Thistle are 90 minutes away from being league champions like just when you take that in after the shite we've had to endure for the last few years I mean the last time we won a league title I was 13 so I just it's mad to think we can win a league tomorrow night this time tomorrow no, yeah, no, it's wild. I was 11 when we last won the league, and I didn't definitely did not appreciate that enough. I was like, oh, yeah, we, that was my first season supporting Thistle, so I thought we were better than we were. And like, I just, it'd be nice just to fully appreciate it, even though we're not in stadiums. I want to see Ian McCall going towards the canal, swinging his hat about tomorrow. We want, we want to see it. I want to see I, Ian McCall's hat on top of the League One trophy. That's what I want to see. Can we just mention Gary Holt's like, like, hostage videos that he's interviews that he's been putting as well? What the fuck are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, after, How do you get a smile on your face going to work? <laughs> like, I, I, put, uh, I put the my favourite quotes in the chat. It was like the ones he was asked, "What formation were you playing?" I don't know. It had four defenders and a goalkeeper. When will the injured players come back? I'm not a physio. Uh, what else did he? How was training? I'm not made two players, so I'm happy about it. And then asked about us. I don't care about party. I don't care about party, even though my team are four points behind them. We've chucked the league at this point. You should tell me. I, I, I say this, I, I don't I don't think I ever mentioned this. I, I work in a call centre and even I was like, fuck's sake, take some pride in your job, man. Be a wee bit happy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? At your work. And that's a like, bad sign. He looks like for fuck's sake, why did you have to sack them? Now now it's down to me. Like he just doesn't he just doesn't look like he wants to be. I've never it's so weird. It's so weird. I mean, they yes. keep asking him they keep asking him as well, oh what players are going to be back from injury and he's like, oh they're all out for the season. And I was looking at their team, they're playing two young guys at centre half playing. Lewis Nielsen on loan from Dundee United and Kyle McClellan on loan from Rangers. Surely we can get at them tomorrow night. This I'm, whole I'm, 20 I'm, minutes has to be cut. Uh, this all know, has This is a disaster. Be, this is an is, absolute disaster. No, you need podcast. to keep this in. This is the Falkirk preview that we need. This is the There's going to be people hyperventilating in their paper bags listening <laughs> to this. The morning before the game. Thank you the numbers even if we fuck it up. If you think about like... Falkirk fans, the way, the way they've been talking about their team, they're saying that they're awful. I've not seen them play since we drew an L with them, but 
they're saying that they've been terrible this like the last few weeks. There's no there's no tactics. I mean, well, I mean, I've gone to Gary Hall, there isn't any tactics anyway, so the manager's backing them up on that. But I mean, they're saying there's no tactics that the possession they play, they're all the wrong players, they don't look like they care. I mean, that's what they've been talking about. And they've got loads of injuries as well. So there's no reason why the team shouldn't just go for it. They know what's on the line. That's that's the way I see it. They know what's on the line, so they need to go for it. We can't be all tentative throughout the whole game because I feel when we are tentative and we're like scared to go forward, the ball ends up spending you know half the game in the air and we just don't look like scoring and that's when we don't play well. But when we actually go for teams, that's when when we play well, when we've got that freedom. And that's just what we're going to have to do tomorrow. I watched them up at Cove a couple of weeks ago and they, they were bad. It was... As bad, if not worse, as as bad as we've been this season, it was it was really bad. I I can't see them being quite so poor tomorrow because it's such a big game for them as well. And even though they've got a couple of young kids at centre half, they'll probably be coming out in the front foot as well. You'd imagine a draw doesn't really suit Falkirk, so I think it should be another open. I'm expecting another open game, and <sighs> very nervous, but. Um, I was just saying, see when you look back at even the games we have played against Falkirk, we should have beat them in a 0-0 game. I think we should have beat them comfortably that day. Obviously, Rudden hitting the post, uh, Gordon hitting the bar. And the two each came at Hill. Penrith scores a free-cone goal from about 30 yards. We miss a penalty and then they equalise late on. Like, we should have beat them that day as well. Like, And I've said it all season, Falkirk are no great shakes. I know, look, they obviously did fuck up their, their big points lead. But that was kind of just, they were grinding out results without playing well. So we shouldn't fear them tomorrow, but it is Fussel. I think, David, you mentioned it earlier, the stat that Falkirk haven't won a, a game against a full-time team in two years. It is almost two years to the day. It was the 4th of May 2019 in their last game of the Championship. They last beat a, a full-time team, and it's been 17 games since. So the odds are in our favour, but as we've all discussed, it, it's, it's Fussel, so anything could happen tomorrow. It's going to be a great episode because it's just going to be Hi, welcome to Drawlers or Draw. Here's an interview with Silliman Kulabali for eight minutes. And thanks for listening to Drawlers or Draw because this is all unusable. We can't put any of this. This is going to be... You know Mate, that ET game that no, you have got? That's going to be this. I'm going to put it on a tape and bury it in the garbage dump. No. So You've got so to no put this out. Like, even, if, like, even if it does fuck it. Like, if Falkirk really fans, manage, Falkirk fans won't find this. And if they do find that... Well, oh, don't say that, please. We'll don't, <laughs> don't say that. Thank you, reviews. That is true. It, it's win-win for all us. We either win the league or we become international uh, podcasting megastars when all the Falkirk fans Aye, find us. They can, they can take around the tape on that helicopter on Helicopter Sunday and like play it at Falkirk Stadium and then they'll laugh at us. That's it, mate. I just... Oh, I'm just so nervous for tomorrow. This is the most nervous I've been for a game since the Dundee game on the last game day of the season when we could have either finished 12th or 11th in the Premiership. I was, I was more nervous for that in the actual playoffs. And this is the most, the most nervous I've felt since then. Obviously, this is a nervous game. What's the most nervous game before this for you? Obviously, you mentioned the Dundee game. I'd go to the Levy playoff for me. The second leg. Um, I always say like my favourite game as a Thistle supporter was when we beat Hearts 4-2 at Tynecastle. Because like, everyone always talks about the Morton game at Firhill, but I just couldn't enjoy that game because of the nerves that the whole day. And I kinda, I'm kind of getting that feeling just now. I was so nervous. Like, I couldn't stop fighting about the game. And when we went 1-0 up that night, I'm just, I kept looking at the, the time, what time it was. Was it nearly full time yet? And it was, it was nerve-wracking, so I couldn't enjoy that game. So that's got to be my most nervous game. Uh, mine is uh, 
Clyde in the Betfred Cup because, well, all the stuff associated with Clyde, I just didn't. I, I, I don't care who we lose to. Like, I, I'm, I'm happy for us to lose to anyone because it's just football, if you know what I mean. But um, I hate watching us play Clyde. It makes me feel ill. So, yeah, any game against Clyde, really. Right, I'm, I'm going to move this on because we've, we've been far too confident and it's almost certainly going to come back to bite us all. I'll ask for all of your Twitter handles at the end of this just so Falkirk can, fans can find you pretty easily. But we'll move on to our Partridge Thistle section. Um, it's the Line of Duty finale on Sunday. Possibly the the whole series finale, but possibly just Series 6. So I'm going to ask you, for two Thistle players, I'm going to ask you, what Thistle player, past or present, would you choose to head up the Anti-Corruption 12 unit and replace Ted Hastings? And which Thistle player, past or present, would be a good bent copper? Jamie, you are as big a Line of Duty fan as me, so I'll come to you first on that one. Who's, who's heading up the unit? Um, I'm going to say Chris Erskine. Doesn't take shit from people. Chris Erskine's going to be the new Ted Hastings. Can imagine he'll come up with some good lines. Who's a Ben Copper? Uh, oh, it's got to be Ali Roy. Leaking group chats. Yeah, it's got to be Ali Roy. <laughs> good shout. Good Bastard. shout. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, I'll let you think of a backup then, Reese, who you have. Right. Um... This is where my lack of line of duty knowledge comes in. Like, I've only seen the first season. I need to get back in it because it is a proper good show. But I'd say leading the force will go Stephen Anderson. Just an old head. He's been through it all. And the, the big copper will be Jack Storer. <laughs> <laughs> David? Um, I, I, fought, I fought for the heads of... The sort of thing. you need someone who's going to get shit done who doesn't take no for an answer and is just absolutely he's willing to go go beyond bend the rules a bit to make sure that they get stuff done so I was going to go for Jack Storer as my head of AC12 because uh, I think it would just be absolute carnage and it would be great as well as for my bent copper Abdul Osman absolute snake trying to get sent off at Tynecastle absolutely for a shadow of a doubt Abdul Osman the bent copper uh, for my AC12 unit I think I'm going to go Stuart Bannigan and on his lanyard picture where he says AC12 Superintendent Bannigan I want the, the picture of him at the SES day with the wee camouflage hat on his head and mud in his face um, I think that's a good look for a, a head of anti-corruption so he, he would definitely get the job done take no shit, he ticks all the boxes uh, former Bent Copper oh, Kenny Miller Kenny Miller uh, no further comment on that one. <laughs> Quite a few shouts to Ben Cobb. You know, there's a couple of names to chuck in there. I mean, uh, Darren McKinnon, maybe. Oh, no, maybe he'd be like an OCG probably member, actually. He'd be like one of the bad club and men. I could see him in that. Uh, oh, Jason Banton as well, because, you know, there's always the elusive, Mitch Austin also, there's the elusive people who you don't know who they are, so that'd be them. Dan Jeffries definitely. He's he's in he's in for a shout with that Dan Jeffries. What did Dan Jeffries do wrong? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, he Dan Jeffries is just a good guy. Mate. <laughs> he didn't do Dan anything. He's just going out his business in the Welsh tenth tier. Leave him alone. Right, Dan Jeffries. I I, I I genuinely can't remember him. No, no, Aaron Lennox. He'd be mine. Aaron Lennox because he's just. Mate, Aaron Lennox is actually a bent copper. Like um, he. He stole a Thistle training bike and never brought it back. Like he got released and he stole one of the bikes. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. 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 
Grant's the best insight information you like leaking out again, Reese. It's like oh, I don't know, it's all about <laughs> Maybe Reese is the big coffee. He's got all this inside knowledge of all the goings on at Thistle. I, I think Reese is is Reese H. See the stuff that I get told sometimes and I just need to be told that I can't I can't tell people it actually kills me inside. And then I leak wee bits of information and I've got people in my back saying, Oh, why are you letting people know that? Mate, I hate it man. Are we gonna have to get Aaron Lennox on to defend himself? Uh, I did they steal that bike. I, I did they it was a misunderstanding, mm. they just never came to collect it. Or well, hold on, hold on. Uh, Aaron Lennox is uh, has the right to be questioned by one officer, one ranked senior David, so I'm afraid we're not. We'll get uh, Cammy Bale in to question him then since he was the number one that season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no comment. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. If you've enjoyed it and you want to give the lads some feedback or some stick for their opinions, you can find them on Twitter. Reese, you're on Twitter. What's your at? Uh, it's at Reese Halden. So R-E-I-S-S-H-A-L-D-A-N-E. Jamie? Yeah, it's Jamie Mick1876. And David? You can send your hate mail, libel, uh, lawsuits, and just general bam up to Viano14, V-I-L-L-E-N-O-X-I-V. Cool. Well, we hope that next time you join us, we'll be league champions by then. But if not, uh, we'll probably be needing counselling with each other. So it'll probably be quite a deep and meaningful episode next either way. But as always, thanks for listening. Stay safe and wear a mask. Mm-hmm.